0: So we thought it's really time for marketing, like so many industries actually, to be transformed. We wanted to include behavioral data in the marketing strategy from early on. ID marketing, which stands for integrated data marketing, is then all about knowing what people do, understanding why they do it, and then scaling it um, to make sure that what you bring to the market and how you bring it to the market is meeting really your customer needs and is therefore for sure a success.
1: Hello and welcome to this new episode of the House of Marketing podcast.
2: In this episode, we will introduce you to the concept of ID marketing. A new approach to marketing where we integrate experimentation and neuromarketing in the full marketing methodology. My name is Jean-Marc.
1: And I'm Eva.
2: And we will be your host for this marketing podcast.
1: Throughout the different episodes, we will discuss several marketing concepts. What makes this marketing podcast different is that we will apply ID marketing to all of these. Everything you will know about marketing, we will challenge in this podcast.
2: This whole episode will be about ID marketing. Soon we will reveal what the abbreviation ID stands for. So stay tuned and learn all about ID marketing, which will revolutionize the field.
1: Me personally, I'm super hyped about this because we invited our own boss lady, CEO, Lise Starwa, to explain you all about ID marketing. So welcome, Lise. We are so happy to have you here.
0: Hello, Evan Jean-Marc, and hi, everyone, and thank you so much for having me.
2: So at the House of Marketing, we always look for better ways to do marketing. ID marketing is something you worked on, Lise. Uh, why do we need ID marketing right now?
0: Well, the normal way of doing marketing is based on asking your customer what they would do in certain circumstances, right? Would they buy your product? Do they have certain needs? Do they like your campaign and would it move them? However, as valuable as it is, there is a limitation to qualitative and quantitative research. Yeah, this is not because people on pur- purpose lie in it because you ask the wrong questions or, or people hide the truth. But it's because of the fact that um, research shows that 95% of purchase decisions are made unconsciously. Mm-hmm. So actually, asking people what they will do when confronted with your product or campaign, it's not a fair question. Customers don't know what they will do until they do it. And that's not always based on rational thinking, but based on reflex, habit or intuition. And this is causing a lot of products and businesses to fail. We see that actually 80% of new products launched are still unsuccessful.
1: hmm
0: And that's what we as the head of marketing just did not want to accept. Um, And with today's tools and data, there is no need to accept this anymore. Um, So we thought it's really time for marketing, like so many industries, actually to be transformed. And that's where ID marketing comes in. Um, we, We wanted to include behavioral data in the marketing strategy from early on. ID marketing, which stands for integrated data marketing, is then all about knowing what people do, understanding why they do it. And then scaling it um, to make sure that what you bring to the market and how you bring it to the market is meeting really your customer
1: needs and is therefore for sure a success.
2: All right. So ID marketing, that is integrated data marketing.
1: Yes, yes. So interesting. Thank you, Lise. So um, you talked about the normal way of doing marketing, how we ask customers what they will do instead of really looking at their behavior. Did you have like any experience um, that this way of working was failing? Yeah, actually, I have a lot of
0: examples where really um, we see a big difference between what customers say they will do and what they in the end do. Um, we call this claim data, so what customers claim they do and behavioral data, so what they actually do. And often there's, there's really a big gap there. Maybe to uh, tell you guys an example, an example of a sports drink company. Uh, that's launching a new range of of drinks, and they have different tastes. Uh, They do um, a qualitative and a quantitative research on that range, and they see that the orange bottle um, is the most popular one, so the one having the best uh, purchase intent, and the green version is the the least popular one, so the one having the least purchase intent. So, uh, okay, they take that into account um, for their launch, they uh, make their volume uh, forecast uh, accordingly, uh, and then they do a sales event uh, and uh, at the sales event very typically they give people uh, samples when they leave the room and there's a box with the uh, green samples and, and a box with, box with uh, the orange samples. And when people clean up after the event, what do they see is actually that the box with the green samples is, is fully empty and um, the box with the orange samples is, is still half full. And yeah, this is totally contradictory to, um, to what the research had, uh, had, uh, had predicted.
2: This is super interesting, because when I reflect on doing, doing those things myself, acting different than what I say I would do, I realize that I'm too totally behaving like that. You put yourself in these boxes and think you can predict how you will act, but actually you can't.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking the same. Um, I want to act, for instance, as sustainable as possible, but most times I just do whatever is most convenient. Like in a questionnaire, if they would ask me, what would you do? I would always choose the most sustainable brand uh, to buy. But if it's not convenient, I'm not really sure if I eventually will do it. Exactly.
0: And it's completely human that you can't predict every single action you take, right? So yeah, marketing is about increasing the chances that a customer does a thing that gives you as a company value. But if we base our marketing strategies only on claimed data and we do not include real human behavior, then how do we expect these strategies to work? These these chances will not increase if you only look at what customers say they will do. Like you said, you try to act a certain way as a customer, but in most circumstances, you don't think consciously about your actions, right? It's so risky when you think of it to make a whole product, develop personas, a marketing strategy, journey, segments, only with claimed data. The risk that your value propositions will not match your market its actually so big. And that's why with ID marketing, we incorporate behavioral data as soon as possible, which creates very strong, very strong marketing. That's why with ID marketing, we incorporate behavioral data as soon as possible, which creates
1: very strong marketing. So uh, now our next question is how would you incorporate behavioral data?
0: Well, ID marketing is a combination of, on the one hand, in-market experiments, and on the other hand, neuroscience. Um, So we test what people do. Those are the in-market experiments. And then, on the second hand, we figure out why they do it with neuroscience. So it's really two elements, right? So in the in-market experiments where we actually use tools stolen from growth marketing, a super uh, successful discipline that we've been doing now for two years with, uh, with Uptrust, our digital spin-off. Um, so in the in-market experiments, we do quick tests and we see what works and what doesn't. And with normal growth marketing, you would scale what works, um, but you're still assuming it works for certain reasons. With ID marketing, you integrate the neuroscience part where you will also know why it works. And that is adding a totally different level.
2: All right, so this is really interesting, uh, very innovative. I put myself in the shoes of the listeners who might think traditional marketing still works. So will you keep traditional marketing approach or what do we do with that and the who, the what and the how?
0: Yeah, yeah. we still keep this holy marketing structure of the who, the what and the how as a base. eh? Um, What will be different is that we continuously add behavioral data on the full process. So we base our who, what and how on claim data, like the traditional way, but we also add a layer of behavioral data. So it's not that we step away from claim data at all, but we just say it's not enough and it needs um, something more. So we will still do qualitative and quantitative research, which is the claim data, but we will enrich it with in-market experiments. In those experiments, we see what works. We then add a layer of neuromarketing in which we assess why it worked. And we keep on doing that. So there is really like a cycle aspect in it. So we do uh, different loops of experimentation, seeing what works, scaling, um, based on why it works. And then we come to the perfect mix of... Um, of what works with your customer in terms of product or campaign. And the risk of not having a market fit will be much lower than by adding that behavioral data. So you're always checking with the markets if what you're doing is the right thing.
1: Okay, so if you then go through the steps of making a marketing campaign, where you uh, define what you will sell to who and how, Uh, first things we will maybe start with the what. How would you do that with ID marketing?
0: Okay, let's take an example. eh? Um, So we want to sell vinegar, let's say. So before going live, we put uh, multiple variants of vinegar in the market and we see which variant people buy more. With little experimentation, we try to increase the purchase rate. But then again, um, as said, we want to add this other level where we really look into why they bought it. Um, Yeah, you may buy vinegar because it's good for your health and you put it in your tea every morning, but another customer might buy to clean. Um, And if you have that data, so that why layer, um, you can put your product in the market in the best way and you can anticipate perfectly on your customer's needs.
2: Okay, so that was uh, the, the what? The next step is the who, I guess. You already talked a little bit about it. Um, Can you elaborate on how to define a persona with the ID marketing framework?
0: Well, we really try to step away actually from focusing too much on personas, but we shift that focus to needs, identification of real needs. One can have different needs throughout their life, right? If you take the same example as before, um, the vinegar, that I can have fully different needs that make me want to buy that product. Uh, it could be that I like my mirrors to be clean with vinegar, but someone else puts vinegar in their salad. Uh, and those need, needs really need also different value propositions and go-to-market plans. Another example. Uh, it could be that someone is a huge ambassador of your local wine startup. Then she gets pregnant and just stops drinking for nine months. That does not mean she's not an ambassador anymore, right? Her needs just changed. But the change can also be less dramatic. It, it could perfectly be that your customer, uh, let's say, drank too much of your wine yesterday and this just really doesn't feel like uh, drinking today, but tomorrow can be different again. So, yeah, my point is needs change and um, we need to get rid of this thinking in very static personas. Um, with ID marketing, we, we want to create something more dynamic that is more looking at needs versus a static persona. So instead of personas where you put in a box, uh, people in a box, and, and if you don't have certain characteristics You are all of a sudden not interesting. We really want to um, tell companies uh, try to step away from that. It's all about identifying needs and don't limit yourself to fixed social demographics uh, uh, or other criteria, um, because then you might lose customers that are still very interesting for your business.
1: Mm. For me that's very interesting. Um, I used to work at the flower company Um, And I worked there as a sales assistant, so I had to sell uh, flower subscriptions to people. And we were told we need to sell to middle-aged women. So that was the only demographic we we sold to. And, And actually also when my boss was there and I, for instance, talked to a man, she would say like, no, 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 that's not your demographic. While there was there were so many men that came to me and were offended that, that I only went to the woman even when I saw they were not looking at the flowers and other men that were really admiring the flowers, I would say like "Nice huh that's it so we really, we didn't really um want to sell to them and it's stupid because they also maybe want to decorate their house they they have different needs maybe and if you don't look at these demographic um things and more at the needs, you just have a bigger market. It's also for your sales value well, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you also see it and see how it limits your chances in the market, right? Um, I will say it again, but try to move away from putting people in segments or personas and change your focus to needs. That's that's really what I would recommend.
2: Yeah, definitely. And we're talking now in front of a mic, but I could hear you about ID marketing several times, Lise, and really love your enthusiasm for it. Uh, And I hope that our listeners are really excited to dive into ID marketing more and apply it to their own strategies. So we talked a little about the the what and the who. Um, Let's dive into the how, if you will. How would the how change with the ID marketing approach?
0: Well, um, in a very traditional setup uh, of marketing, you develop one big campaign at the beginning of the year, you link it to a business case, and then you add targets to it, right? So, of course, um, in this approach, you didn't test anything yet. So, as said in the beginning of this podcast, the chances that you will fail are unfortunately very high. what do you do with ID marketing is you start experimenting before the go live. Um, You bring real products into the markets with real go-to-market plans, real messages, visuals, videos through real channels. So you really create a very realistic environment also with realistic real sales channels. That's that's also very important. So you don't go sit at a table in the supermarket uh, to let people taste your yogurt and ask them if they would buy it, because again, that's claimed, right? Um, You would put your new yogurt on the shelf and see if people buy it. So that's the difference. So yeah, you just let consumers in the end and show you what works, uh, what messages or executions move them the most in your go-to-market plan, uh, through which channels. And then ideally, again, you add a last layer of um, neuromarketing to it um, to assess why one execution worked better than the other one. Um, As neuromarketing can also do that. I don't know if you know that. Um, Because it can also work in very small researches uh, and to uh, then assess why an execution worked better than the other one. Of course, yeah, in the end, you will tell your customer that they were part uh, of a test uh, when they have just finished, uh, finished their sales cycle. Um, but yeah, with this approach, you can really identify a go-to-market plan before you go live, um, knowing that it has a very high chance of being successful.
1: Let's, um, let's dive like, a little bit deeper. You already talked about ID marketing, and if I get it right, it's a combination of neuroscience and growth marketing. Um, In one of the following episodes, we will talk about growth marketing a little bit more and how you can apply it in your company. Spoiler alert, it's like applicable in every company, big or small. So really listen to that um, episode that will come very soon. But neuroscience, for me, it sounds super difficult, expensive. Um, I think about all the bleep bloops and all these things. So is it accessible for every company?
0: Yeah, for sure. Neuromarketing is a field with really a lot of layers and executions, a lot of uh, methodologies, Um, but All those methodologies are used with one objective to assess what are those unconscious drivers um, of consumer behavior. So um, neuromarketing research does not at all need to be uh, extensive or expensive. It can really range from researches that assess the purchase drivers towards your category, um, which are typically uh, bigger researches. But it can also go, as said, to really small researches that just assess why one execution worked better than another one.
2: All right, so basically any company can do it. Um, and if a company wants to start ID marketing tomorrow, like, what are the first steps they, they should take?
0: Well, a, a very solid base still to start from is qualitative and quantitative research um, that gives you very strong assumptions of customer needs. Um, then um, ideally you do at that point already a neuromarketing research to assess those unconscious drivers um, in your category. As a third step, um, based on those insights that you got from the qualitative and quantitative research and from the neuromarketing, marketing, you start defining what you want to experiment on. Um, and this can be on who, what and how, so on needs, on value propositions and on go to market plans. So once you've made that plan, you start to experiment and uh, experiments show us in the end what works. Um, so in a fifth step, you then add again that, that neuromarketing layer to see why the elements that worked, work. Uh, this gives you again new insights that could, could inspire new experimentation rounds to start. You know, you can have the realization that um, there is even more interesting things to experiment on than what you just did. Um, so then you go into these different loops of experimentation and neuromarketing to then finally come to Insights that were shown to be relevant, VPs that were shown to appeal, and a go-to-market plan that is shown to move customers. And when you bring this into the market, you have really totally increased significantly your chances for success versus only basing yourself on the qualitative and quantitative research, which is done in a traditional approach.
2: All right. so just to summarize the five steps. First, quality and quantity research. Second, neuromarketing research then define what to experiment, do the experiment, and five, understand why the the elements that worked work.
1: Well, thank you, Lisa, very much. It was so interesting. Um, I learned a lot. I hope that all our listeners will also apply ID marketing right now. So to conclude this episode, we want to give you a quick wrap-up.
2: So ID marketing, integrated data marketing, is a new approach to marketing where behavioral data is all layers of marketing before and after the go live. This decreases the risk of having a campaign or a product that doesn't fit the market. So, ID marketing comes down to knowing what your customer does, why they do it, and then scaling
1: it. So, again, thank you, Lise, uh, for being our two guides in this wonderful new world of ID marketing. You're so welcome, guys. It was really a pleasure to be
0: here.
2: So if you want to know more about ID marketing, go to our website. You have a link in the description of this episode.
1: And you can also listen to our um, next episode where we'll discuss a case where the House of Marketing applied ID marketing.
2: If you like this episode, don't hesitate to rate us or leave a review. This is really important for us. We really love to hear your feedback and it also helps the podcast.
1: So... Bye bye, adios, see you in our next episode of the House of Marketing podcast.